from the campaign trail to the studio, Wesley Hunt continues the fight. Along with his brother, Rendon, they chronicle their family experience from slavery to West Point in four generations. Tackling the difficult conversations facing our country, they're on a mission to preserve the American dream. Buckle up and welcome aboard. You're in the hunt. I'm Wesley Hunt. I'm Rendon Hunt. And, and you're, you're in, in the, the hunt. hunt. Well, this is Memorial Day weekend. This is a weekend that you and I actually celebrate. One of the few holidays that we celebrate. I think for me, it's like 4th of July, Memorial Day weekend and Veterans Day. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite stories that you always tell is the only holiday that you take off that you've earned is Veterans Day. And I also want to delineate the difference between Veterans Day and Memorial Day because a lot of people get confused about it. Memorial Day is not a time for a mattress day sale. It's actually a time <laughs> to celebrate those that pay the ultimate sacrifice in defense of this great nation. And you and I, who have spent time overseas in the Middle East defending this nation, although you're in the Navy, which is totally fine. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Um, we also know what it means to lose friends and to lose classmates and to lose comrades abroad. So I think it would be only um, uh, poignant for us to at least talk about what this holiday means to us and why it's so important. Yes. And I, it's, a, it's a very difficult thing for me to talk about. Mm -hmm. So many good people have died so that we can have the freedoms that we have. Yes. And we're going to have the Indianapolis 500 this weekend. Oorah. Yes. There's going to be a lot of hot dogs that are eaten this weekend. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of rounds of golf that are played in red, white, and blue. And there's a lot of people that aren't going to be there with us. Yep. And it's in these moments our memorializing of the greatest of who we are, where we realize what we're capable of as a people, and we realize how much we've lost in the name of freedom. Mm -hmm. It's a solemn time. It's a beautiful time. And at any time of the year, it's a time that I'm proudest to be an American. Me too. Amen, brother. So... What we're going to talk about today is a little bit connected to that. It's the concept of who you are is defined by what you do. In the lexicon of our friend Forrest Gump, stupid is as stupid does. <laughs> we always try to separate. I see a dime of that money. I see a dime of that money. It's a million dollar wound. <laughs> Lieutenant Dan, ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, a so soft serve. Hey, Forrest, it looks like I found my sea legs. Lieutenant Dan, you ain't, ain't got, got no, no legs. legs. <laughs> Cla classic. That's like the best movie classic. of all time. Oh, it's so good. It, it's, it's, uh, I, have, I have an affinity for soft serve ice cream, most specifically. Remember when Dairy Queen, they still do it, actually. Dairy Queen has the dip. Oh, yeah. Or they do a little soft serve and dip it in chocolate. Uh, you know, in the Navy, we call the soft serve ice cream machine. You know what we call that? Yeah. You're going to like this. I don't know if I want to hear this. <laughs> we call it the auto dog. Okay, I got it. Okay. okay. So it looks like a okay. – yeah, it. yeah. It's called the auto dog. I thought you were going somewhere else with that. But I'm no, glad I wasn't. I'm glad, <laughs> glad, glad y'all caught the auto dog. Woo! Man, I'm glad, it, I'm glad it's a, a dog poop reference. <laughs> got don't it. hear that often. Oh, yeah, got it. <laughs> But, you know, what you do is who you are. And it's this whole idea that, that faith without works is meaningless. You know, the, the, the people who we are, it's wrapped up in the things that we choose to do professionally, personally. Our actions matter. And I find myself saying this a lot. This word matter comes up more and more and more. All lives matter. Our actions matter. And... One of the things that, that we've been talking about, we talked about this a, a little bit last week, Stephen A. Smith and some of the things that, that he's been saying, and I will caveat all this with, and I've said it on a previous episode, 
I like Stephen A. Smith because Stephen A. Smith, like me, is a provocateur. His job is to get people talking, to talk about issues. It's not to say things that everybody has to agree with. By the way, if you ever find yourself in a conversation you agree with 100% of what somebody's saying, it means either they're not thinking or you're not thinking. One if you're sitting two. in a room where everyone agrees, that means no one is thinking. Yep. And you're in the wrong room. And you're in the wrong room. You're in the wrong room. Been in those rooms. Yeah. Rough places to be. Yes, it is. No one you, wants to think. No one wants to disagree. You, you don't get America in the melting pot without having people that are bringing yes. different perspectives. Without that consternation, without that constant ebb and flow of ideas and flow of ideas and not shooting somebody down because they don't see it your way or trying to bully people into thinking the way you think. Just shut up and listen sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So go ahead. Yeah. And there's a piece where we had talked a little bit about Kwame Brown and Stephen A. And I... I tell you, I've been watching a lot more of this uh, since you brought it to my attention and delving a little bit deeper into it. And this tension between them has escalated. And Stephen A. had this video that he put out where he tries to delineate talking about Kwame Brown as a basketball player versus talking about Kwame Brown as a person. And I watched that, and it bothered me. And it bothered me because Kwame Brown had spent his life dedicated to basketball. Mm -hmm. You can't then talk about what in his notion is his life's work mm -hmm. and expect him to not be upset about that or feel personally attacked by that. Mm -hmm. So what Stephen A. did was he basically took 15, one minute of Kwame Brown's worst moments on the basketball court which was actually kind of funny. It was. I'm not gonna. It lie. was like Shaq and a fool. It was like it was actually it was actually really funny. Yeah. And and, and as in, as only Stephen A. Smith can do in his provocative, loud bravado, bravado, boisterous voice, he basically just was clowning him for 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 the entire minute. Yeah. He was like, "There's more. Another one. Another one. There's more. There's more. Keep rolling the film. You, you got the Stephen A. arm. Keep rolling the film. You go, like you're watching that. You're like, okay, it's funny." But what Stephen A. is absolutely missing, and that's to your point of, of like, basketball is this man's life. Yeah. That is this man's life. He can't delineate the difference between his life and basketball. So when you're literally trashing his career, regardless of how good or bad you think it is, you are, in essence, trashing a piece of his life. Yeah. You're, you're having fun at his expense. What you brought up before, just a second ago, which I thought was absolutely excellent, it, it, it would be like somebody attacking Stephen A. Smith. For talking. Yeah. Now, maybe he's, he has thicker skin. Maybe he doesn't get offended by it. But that's been your life's work. That's what you do for a living. That's what you do. And then for somebody for, for the better part of, of almost 20 years, trashing the way you talk, and that's been your body of work in your life, there's going to be a backlash to that. Yes. And there should be. And don't be surprised, right? Don't be surprised. And if you have thick skin and can take it because... Once again, the man in the the man or woman in the arena, right? We're putting ourselves out there right now. There's going to be people who love some of the stuff that we say. There's going to be people who hate some of the stuff that we say. Thank God we have thick skin. But we're, but, but we're putting ourselves out there, and so I would expect, especially the position that Stephen A. is in, for him to understand that. And then, once again, I caveat all this with, I watch Stephen A. I've watched him a lot over the years. Mm -hmm. Stephen A. now has gone down a path that I think is very irresponsible, okay? And this path is in the way that Stephen talks about Tim Tebow. Stephen A. is going to be like, this brother talking about me, he ain't even got on no socks. <laughs> he ain't even got on socks. <laughs> Where's, Where's his socks? <laughs> Get some socks and then we can talk about it. This is absolutely preposterous and from Williamson that this guy has no socks. <laughs> now, it, How, that's, that's pretty good. good. Yeah, that's pretty that's good. good. You're good at the Stephen A. Arms. Scrum Williamson. Scrum Williamson. Give me a Walker bar. <laughs> Give me a walker bar. Snossberries taste like snossberries. Have you seen my New York pick? Have you had an everlasting gobstopper? 
Gobstopper? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> violet, you're turning violet. <laughs> 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 oh my god <laughs> so uh, you know Stephen a smith and, and when i say irresponsible i think that black men who have achieved success in this country i think it is our responsibility to a help people that look like us to achieve similar success mm-hmm. and b to be a beacon of light in this country to shed light on how we got there, what that looks like, yeah. and also to talk about the the promise that is still available in this country. Mm-hmm. I think that that is a responsibility of ours. Yeah, I agree. Stephen A. talking about Tim Tebow and Tim Tebow getting an opportunity to play tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes. Tim Tebow directly went to or I'm sorry, Stephen A. went to the idea that Tim Tebow getting that opportunity is rooted in white privilege. That's dangerous. That's not true. Tim Tebow. That's not true. Yeah, go. let's get on this because that's actually, that's actually fundamentally not true. No. Tim Tebow, who is a physical freak specimen. Have you seen him at training camp, by the way? Oh. Have you seen this man? He looks like the Incredible Hulk, Yes, man. he does. He, he reminds me a lot of myself. <laughs> Well, you know, he reminds a lot of myself, but, uh, you know, my arms are a little bit bigger. Yeah, he, he has some work to do. I didn't say that. I'm saying he reminds me of yeah. I mean, this guy is, yes. a, is a physical specimen. Anybody who has played quarterback at the highest level mm-hmm. understands an offense in a wonderful way. Tim Tebow is from Jacksonville, Florida, where the Jacksonville Jaguars are playing. Mm-hmm. His former coach at University of Florida, mm-hmm. down the road, says, I want this guy to be a part of my organization, and I want to make sure that this guy is in my locker room. For now. For now, by the way. He hasn't even made the team. For now. Yes. Yes. He's but not, I, I want to give him a shot. He doesn't have a, a quote-unquote big contract. This is the cheapest free look you can possibly get. Mm-hmm. And you have a person that you know is high character, yeah. uh, that you've seen his leadership skills in winning the two national championships. Yes. Winning a playoff game as quarterback, though, over 300 yards. And we're going to say that the only reason that he's getting this opportunity is because of white privilege? That's ridiculous. And then Stephen A. goes on to say, a brother wouldn't get that opportunity. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, and I have to excuse me for a second while I was thinking about this this morning when he said this. <laughs> Allow me to reintroduce myself. <laughs> yes. He said a, a brother wouldn't get this opportunity. So I think there's two ways to take this. Uh-huh. The first way to take this is a black guy wouldn't get this opportunity to shift from quarterback to another position. Yep. And the second is somebody who's been out of the game wouldn't get the opportunity to play for a team. Yep. I think there's two ways to look at it. So explain to me, Heinz Ward. Oh, come on. Come on. Braxton Miller. Come on. Randall Cobb. Come on. Joe Webb. Come on. These are were quarterbacks in college, successful quarterbacks in college, mm-hmm. that made the transition to play different positions mm-hmm. in the NFL. Also, uh, Greg Ward, the quarterback from University of Houston. And Renda, you're naming guys. This is also this is also like 15, 20 years ago too. Yeah. So so we have clearly progressed from a racial standpoint in the NFL since then. So so this is happening 20. Like you get my point. Yeah. So a brother wouldn't get this opportunity. So first of all, just transitioning into another position. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the first thing I think about. And the second thing is the idea that we wouldn't get opportunities to come back in some capacity. Got another list of people. Antonio Brown. Come on. Still in the league. Still in the league. Josh Gordon. Mm. Many, many, many opportunities. Hmm. Michael Vick. Hmm. Federal prison. Hmm. Not the only one that went to prison on my list. Hmm. Plexico Burris. Hmm. Went to jail and got an opportunity to come back and make millions of dollars playing football. Hmm. Cedric Benson. Hmm. Alcohol issues. DUIRS. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace, Cedric Benson. Mm-hmm. Texas legend. LeGarrett Blunt. Mm-hmm. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. Ray Lewis. Let's, Ray, not forget, let's not forget his trial. No, Ray yeah, Lewis. Yeah. Ricky Williams, who we have talked about on this show before. Yeah. 
So what are we saying when we say that a brother wouldn't get this opportunity? Yeah. Like, at some level, we have to look at the fact that the NFL is a business. It's a business, and these guys are looking to win games. See, did you, did you say Pac-Man Jones by chance? No, I didn't say Pac-Man Jones. How'd you miss Pac-Man Jones? I, don't, I miss Albert Hainsworth, too. How'd you wait? <laughs> How'd you miss these guys? Yeah, <laughs> like, I, mean, I mean, and that's it, like that's why it's such a preposterous argument that it's preposterous. It's preposterous that 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 because of the color of these players' skin, that they wouldn't get another opportunity because they've been getting opportunities for the last I don't know how many years, in spite of a checkered pass. But Randy, here's actually what's absolutely crazy about this. It has nothing to do with the color of their skin. No. Every guy that you just mentioned is a hell of a football player. Absolutely. This is about talent. Yeah. This is about we will bring back a person that spent time in federal prison for dogfighting and killing dogs if you're running 4-3-40 and you can still play the football game. And you know what, Wesley? This is – that's the piece of – that's a piece of who they are. Yes. If you were then to say – something about the way that they played the game, they would take offense to that because what they've done, that's such a big piece of who yes. they are. Yes. Now, there also was, and, and, and it's also this idea that these professional athletes in some way are being held back. No. And you, let's talk about the progression of, of what we've seen even at the highest levels of, of the NFL. We grew up in an era where it was known that perhaps black quarterbacks weren't getting the opportunities that white quarterbacks were getting. Okay. That's, and, and I think, I think at that time, 20, 30 years ago, it's true. Accurate. Warren Moon was a bad man. Accurate. Yes. Okay. And, he, and he had to go play in Canada yeah. for a while. First. I mean, not saying this is like, like Randall Cunningham. Like it wasn't, yeah. it, there was certainly a stigma there. And yes. I will absolutely, I would absolutely agree with that. However, let's talk about where the NFL is right now. The four, Top paid players in the National Football League are black quarterbacks. Are black quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes, number yep. one. Patty, Ma Patty Mahomes. Patty Mahomes. Yeah, nasty boy. He nasty. No, he's black, man. We're not going to let you make him Irish. No. Here's a Patty McCombs. <laughs> no. That's not a no. bad. Patrick McCombs. <laughs> he's one of us. Yeah, yeah. He's American. <laughs> yeah, he's American. <laughs> Dak Prescott. Yep. Deshaun Watson. Mm -hmm. For now, continue, continue, continue. But to keep going, I don't want to keep going. Keep yeah. going. Keep and going. Russell Wilson. Yes. The yes. four highest paid players. I remember growing up in an era, Wesley. We're not highest paid players, too, by the way. I mean, when you take Aaron Rodgers out of this equation and the, and the GOAT, uh, TB, probably the best what? players in the league. They are the best players in the league, yeah. too. So, let, like, like, let's not even yeah. talk about the idea that actually it's not the color of their skin, it's their performance on the field that has now translated to increasing the amount of their of, in their that goes that goes into their pockets. Yeah. And and they're considered perennially, year in, year out, to be some of the best players in the NFL. And you know what else it's translated to? And, and, and also, no one disputes this and no one argues this, and people don't say anything about their color. Their stats don't lie, their performance, their leadership doesn't lie, and so they're getting compensated accordingly for it. What are your questions? You know what else this this translates to for these guys? When we're drafting the next generation of quarterback. Oh, yeah. We want guys who have those skill sets. Yes. They're cracking the door open for a different set of skill sets. We grew up in an era where ESPN had this code word that they would use. Yeah. And you knew that they were talking about a black quarterback. They'd be like, yeah, you know, I've done all the research on this guy. He's really mobile. Yeah, he's a mobile quarterback. He's mobile. Really, he's really athletic. Mobile. What, do, what does that mean? Yeah. You know, Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, those are 4'6", 4'7", guys. I didn't hear them call mobile. Yeah. That was the code word that was used. They didn't call Steve Young mobile, mobile. who was really probably the first great mobile quarterback. Yeah. They never call him that. Interesting. Come on, man. Roger the Dodger. Eh, just leather helmet days, man. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, but you know, but I yeah, 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 a 6'5 guy in that era was tall for that era. Yeah, he was seven foot one. Yeah, like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 let's have that conversation. Yeah, yeah. And then also I liked I liked his like I, I kind of like it's it's 
PBA. You know, you know it, pre and post black athlete. <laughs> you know, like, like like before the proliferation of the black athlete. You know, uh, black athletes changed the game just ever so slightly. I'm just throwing it out. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. go ahead. Yeah. By slightly, you mean the grand candidate. <laughs> <laughs> and and this, of course, always always dovetails into the. Colin Kaepernick conversation. Uh-huh. And if Colin Kaepernick was performing at the level of those four quarterbacks that he'd I still mentioned, he'd still be in the NFL, period. If he was good enough, he'd still, he would still be in the NFL. I mean, Aaron Hernandez was killing people. And he was in the NFL. <laughs> just because just because Colin Kaepernick is a, <laughs> is a social justice warrior, whatever loosely used we we can talk about that later that that it, it, he's not playing on a roster cuz he doesn't he's not good enough yeah. and then also when the NFL gave him an opportunity yeah. gave him an opportunity a, a a clear free unabashed look at his talent what did he do hours before the tryout canceled it he canceled it and went to some high school field to go play there he's not for real yeah he's not for so stop bringing up Colin Kaepernick yeah He's not good enough. The players that you just listed in your in your special little book right there, <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cool. In your special little book. The, the players that, that you mentioned, they are all ridiculously talented, and so I mean, is Colin. So is Colin Kaepernick. But, but he's not that talented. But there's a sliding scale. He's not that talented, and it, and it kind of brings this idea too of of what you're willing to deal with as a as a coach and administration that's happening off the field. Yeah. If your job is to play and win football games. And you are a disruptive force. You better be really good. Yeah, and it's not that you can't be. You just better be really good. You just better be really good. And honestly, like to 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 actually take that much attention away from what's happening on the field. Yes, you got to be a top tier franchise player. Yes, like that. That's the way. And I, I hate how sometimes. Do, do you know why Dwayne the Rock Johnson could spit on his hand and slap people and get people the rock bottom into people's elbow? Do you know why he could do that? Because he's more muscular than everybody else. No, because he's that good. <laughs> yeah. That's why. Yeah. That's why you, you eventually look at you like, that guy can do and get away with a whole lot more. Do you know why Stone Cold Steve Austin could drive into a stadium with a beer truck? He's that good. And a milk truck. <laughs> yeah. He's that good. One night he went through 115 cans of beer. <laughs> True story. For a warm-up. Because <laughs> he's, he's that good. Pre-gaming. <laughs> He's that good. And so the NFL has also gotten to the point to where in this era with social media, with video, with YouTube, we know how talented these guys are. It used to be Miami was NFL U. Alabama is NFL U. That's not true anymore. Yeah. You can literally go to Southwest Louisiana Tech State and you might be a late bloomer and the NFL will find you if you have the talent. Yeah. A couple of years ago, they drafted a guy that was playing rugby in Australia because he was 6'9", 320 with good feet. Yeah. And never played a down of football in the NFL. And you mean to tell me he got that opportunity because he wasn't black? Get out of here. Stop that. <laughs> Stop it. Come on, man. Stop it. So the problem that we see today, Ren, is that people are, are – they, they have a legacy mindset. They're, they're, they are constantly concerned about the past and not living in the present. So the I way they talk right. and what they do is who they are. People like Stephen A. haven't adjusted to the fact that it's 2021, yeah. not 1995. Yeah. And we want to assess different standards for professional athletes when it's convenient for us. <laughs> okay. Good, good point. We want to assess when it's convenient for us because – Good point. I can't go into my place of employment – Wearing whatever I want, <laughs> not talking to people because I don't want to do a press conference. <laughs> do you diluting, imagine, diluting the brand. Could you imagine this? I, I I can't go in and do that. But when a player wants to say something that potentially can dilute the brand, it's like, all right, buddy, you have a pretty much a guaranteed contract. Yes. And and that's why I, I'm a firm believer. I've always been a believer that from an accountability standpoint. A lot of this compensation with players should be tied to the performance of the league. Okay. They're getting guaranteed contracts. They can go and say things that dilutes the brand, that tears it apart, tears it apart. 
and they're still getting paid. Like, that's the way this works in normal businesses. When these guys walk on the field, what's on the front of their jersey? It says what? It says NFL. Yeah. And then it has the team name under it that's owned by someone. I'm going to give you an example here. And this is a, a buddy of mine, and it's, it, there's, there's a bad word here, but it's an actual quote, and I, and I think it's actually very pointing at yeah. what, what we're talking about right now. Buddy of mine. I was in the Navy. I can take your bad word. Okay, I know. He works for UPS. Okay. And we were talking about NFL players, NBA players, basically just saying whatever they want, regardless of how the league feels about it and this, that. You know what he told me one day? What? This is the best, one of the best things I've ever It's like the best life, life lesson I've ever had. He's a black guy, too. Yeah. Came to me, he said, Wesley, do you really think I like wearing this shit brown uniform every day? I said, probably not. <laughs> he goes, but if I want the benefits, hmm. and if I want to do this job, and if, and if I want to work for UPS, this is, this is the rules. And guess what? I don't have to go work for UPS. I can go work for somebody else. Yes. I can go work for FedEx. But if I choose to work here, this is what I am required to wear. Yes. And why, why is that different? Why is it different level? for them? Because they're rich? Because they're, No. They work for someone, too. And if somebody says that, well, you're not, not allowed to say that. Well, then... What makes you special from all of us regular people yeah. that have to adhere to the rules of, 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 of who employs us? You ain't special. Yeah. Just because you make a million dollars, millions of dollars doesn't make you special. You still work for someone. Yeah. Like everybody else in this country does. And if they have rules that are that are unfair and partial, well, they will you, be exposed. Well, and you or can you go, can go, go do your own go, thing. Go start your own league. Yeah. And not even, not even in a flippant way. It's like, look, you, one of the things that frustrates me, and, and this has happened many times over the past couple of years, when people equate the NFL and NBA to slavery. slavery. I knew you were going to say this. Do you, know how ridiculous that, do you know how ridiculous that is? Do you know how, do you know how absurd could you, could you imagine our great-great-grandfather, a former slave, hearing that? Yeah, this dude that's driving around in the Bucati. Yeah, he's got it pretty much like you. That's on, <laughs> that's on the boat with Tom Brady with TV12, right? On the boat with Tom Brady throw, throwing the Lombardi trophy from boat to boat. Yeah, that black dude, you yeah. know, that's the and, next best thing to slavery. What are you even saying? And there's another piece of this that, that I think is, is very interesting as well. Not only are you equating something to slavery but you're also stepping back and you're saying okay these people aren't getting value out of it players are getting some value they're getting some value out of it yeah it's a good it's a good it's a good deal for them now i will say even when you talk about uniform standards all these types of things this all goes back to to the idea of how good are you because people who are good enough can change the standard well yeah it's My, like it's Michael Jordan with the hoop earring, man. He, or I was or anything Michael Jordan. Or anything, anything he's done. Right? He could he, he could always break the rules. He it's, could wear longer shorts, man. It's Michael Jordan. It's LeBron James breaking COVID protocol. LeBron James breaking COVID protocol and still being able to play in the game. You, if you're gonna try to tell me that that if any other Tom Dick or Harry would have done that in the NBA, that they would have been playing that game, you're wrong. It's LeBron James. Because he's that good. He's a top five player of all time. Somewhere between two and two and five. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Not the go. <laughs> Continue. Agree. I'd agree with that. Yes. And once again, we talk about our platform and how our platform matters and our actions matter. LeBron James did something the other day that I was kind of disappointed in. And we've talked about this before with his platform and, and, and these things. LeBron James is something you're disappointed in? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he did. And... <laughs> and it's not going to a super team. <laughs> no, not one time, not, not, not two, two times. times. <laughs> <laughs> um, he did something I was disappointed in. For that party that he went to breaking COVID protocol, the mandate for the party is either you have to have been vaccinated or you have to have taken a recent COVID test, right? So... LeBron is not willing to tell people whether or not he has gotten the vaccination. 
Let me tell you why that's irresponsible. <laughs> of all the people in this country, yeah. guess who's most skeptical of the vaccination? Black Americans. 100%. Right? Yes. You are, in many regards, one of the most followed and well thought after, thought of black Americans in this country. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be an example of... And you don't want to be an example and let people know everybody else is doing it. Not that that's a reason to. Hey, man, the Obamas are doing it. Oprah's... You're not even willing to say that you got a vaccine to help some people that probably really need it? Right. Why? Why? So now I, I, I don't I don't under I don't understand that. See, Brendan, that's this is kind of LeBron logic too. Like, and again, LeBrogic. Le <laughs> <laughs> this is some good LeBrogic. This is this is LeBron logic. Okay, because do you remember when his home in Beverly Hills was defaced with the N word? Yeah, a few years back, and, and he comes out and basically makes a statement. This is this is just loosely paraphrasing. This is still happening in America. I can't believe that. So, yes, there's always going to be some idiots out in the world that do dumb things. Absolutely. There's always going to be some jackasses out there. There's nobody th th that will never go away. You will never eradicate that. No. But look at the life that you have been able to curate for you and your family in the name of basketball. Look at the people, black, white, brown, Indian, you name it across the board that have supported you and your career. Instead of celebrating all these people. How many white people are buying your shoes? How many white in your shoes? And this is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, it's like Michael Jordan says, Republicans buy shoes too. <laughs> like Republicans, Democrats, how many people like LeBron James? How many people supported LeBron James? Because of his ability to score and pass and rebound the basketball is absolutely because phenomenal. that's part of who he is. Let's focus on that. Let's not put light on one idiot, on one idiot that did this to you. And once again, don't play the victim here. Irresponsible messaging, because there is an opportunity that you have as a successful black man in this country to talk about the overwhelming support that you're getting from all races of you people. You know what would have been awesome? There's an opportunity for you to do that. You and you're focusing awesome. on the one moron you know awesome. who did this. If somebody would have seen that, and somebody would have come to him, they would have said, did you see what happened to your property? And if he would have said... Do you know how many people came to watch me play last year? Do you know how much money that we generated in each stadium? Because all people, all people were, were watching. Because all ticket sales so, matter. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> not just the box. Yes. Not just court size. Yes. All, all ticket sales matter. matter. Yes. Think about that. I tell you what, some matter more than others because courtside seats. Courtside seats, nice. court seats are pretty nice. Yeah, those matter, right? and those matter too. And and I've been a few of these games, and I've had the honor and privilege of sitting courtside. Thanks, tell you something. Thanks Memorial Day, you've had freedom of courtside seats. That's it. <laughs> Thank I a know, service right? member. Such a such a hardship, right? Yeah. Such a hardship. Thank a service member. <laughs> How many times have I sat courtside, and looked around, and been like, "Well, there's one black guy sitting courtside here." There are corporate sponsors and white people from all over the country that are paying money to watch you play. Thousands of dollars. Let's talk about that in a good way. And, and that goes back to Stephen A. It's, it's, there's an opportunity to use that microphone and shed that microphone on positivity. And we have individuals that continue to trip over themselves and shed that light on negativity. Mm -hmm. And I think it's irresponsible. This is what I said about Michelle Obama. I think it's irresponsible. I think I think it it causes potential damage because these people are such public figures and their opinions are so sought after. Mm -hmm. And they didn't necessarily ask for it, but this was just what you got. This is the way the world works. It's what you got. This is the way it works. And I don't really, because this whole idea of really what you do being who you are, it also dovetails into people that choose to run for office. Mm -hmm. Right? And, I the mean, mot and the motives behind it. And the motives behind it. Yeah. We're, we're in a position right now where, where we see some connective tissue that's being built in terms of an infrastructure bill.
Mm-hmm. Right. We see uh, there's 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 hopefully some meeting in the middle that's happening to to be able to to potentially make this happen. Yep. Right. And as you think about what that really means, the people who try to make these things happen, who try to come together, who are who are willing to get out and fight and do it, that's part of those people's legacy. Mm-hmm. That really matters. Mm-hmm. And we saw another example of. Their what, infrastructure bill, bill matters. It does. Yeah. All bills matter. All bills matter. Yeah. <laughs> Blue bills matter. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? I mean, yeah. Whatever. yeah, yeah. Buffalo bills matter. Buffalo bills matter. You know, you talk about even that idea of the things that you do. Seth Rogen is a good example of this right now. And this is something that we've been been tracking a little bit. Seth Rogen has basically come out in defense of cancel culture. Which is absolutely hilarious, given some of the films, some of the jokes, and some of the things that he has said, some of his behavior yeah. over the past 20 years. Now, you and I... I find I find him to be hilarious. <laughs> I find him to be hilarious. I think I, he's awesome. I think he's great. Yeah. That's last week we talked about the messenger matters. This is the last person. This is the last one not the last cuz there's worse. Yeah, there's this worse. is yeah. one of the last people that should be defending cancel culture given his given his history. So like, this goes this goes to we are both fans of comedy. I love comedy. I think Dave Chappelle is the greatest stand-up comedian of all time. I still like beer. (laughs) I think Dave Chappelle is the greatest stand-up comedian of all time, and I don't think it's close. I love Dave Chappelle. Oh, yeah, Dave Chappelle. Oh, he's the GOAT. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dave Chappelle's the GOAT. Dave Chappelle has said a couple of things. Part of what I like about Dave Chappelle is his comedy is so highbrow. It's so so thoughtful. It's it's thoughtful. It's intellectual. And he says things that, that... Really, people are just laughing at, hey, I'm Rick James, and they really don't get the it's, – it's why he left the game for a while. He's like, yeah. you guys are laughing. You don't understand what's You're funny. laughing at me. Like, you, you actually don't get you're the not nuance laughing, of, of the, the things that, that I'm saying. Yeah. And Dave Chappelle, uh, when he won the Mark Twain Award, the irony of Dave Chappelle winning the Mark Twain Award, it's just incredible, yeah. and was at the Kennedy Center, he had talked a little bit about comedy is the last bastion that we have. Where you can talk about things in a provocative way and laugh about them and people won't get offended and up in arms about everything. Like, it's the last bastion. And I have a hard time with somebody like Seth Rogen being in the comedy game, now deciding that cancel culture is okay. it's It's just inconsistent. It's inconsistent. It's ridiculous. And if you look at his brand, if you look at the other people that have spoken out against cancel culture, and we're talking about comedians, we're talking about people like him. We're, we're talking about these people are protecting him from being canceled, by the way. Yeah. I'll be the first to tell you, Knocked Up. Yeah. Right? Knocked Up had a lot of really funny parts. Really funny parts. Like, really funny parts. Hilarious. But I'll tell you, my roommate Mike and I, when that first came out, because I was like, oh, it's a Seth Rogen movie, I'm, I'm going to go see it. Do you know I really struggled to find the humor in that movie? Yeah. Because of the premise because of the, premise of of the movie. Yeah. Like this idea that, hey, this guy got lucky and scored this really hot chick one night, and now she has to, she's pregnant and they're going to... Ha- there was nothing that was funny about that to me. Yeah. Like that circumstance just what... Just what and, and look, and not to, not to be all high and mighty on it because once again there were some great parts of the movie and and i thought there were parts of it that were really funny and by the way like tropic thunder is my favorite comedy so i'm i'm not yeah. being robert Downey jr was incredible in that movie. yeah i'm not being i'm not being self-righteous on this in that way but i am saying that, that best you, black actor of all time <laughs> robert Downey <laughs> jr <laughs> i don't know who the top five man like denzel samuel l yeah robert downey jr <laughs> Wait, wait, he's not. Oh, that's right. You mean Iron Man? Yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, man, he put on white face for Iron Man. Right. 
awesome. He was awesome. He's so role. good. But but so I'm not saying because I don't like raunchy humor or anything like that. Like, no, you will not hear that from me at all. But the premise of it, in in many ways, is a cancelable premise in 2021. But Brendan, you think you could come out with knocked up in 2021? What makes this conversation with us so interesting? I don't want to cancel Knocked Up. No. I don't want to cancel him. No. Look, I may, I, there's things that you did that I liked. There's things that I, that you did that I didn't like. Some things may have been a little bit inappropriate. Maybe I didn't like the premise of this. Sure. That does not mean that you should be canceled. Yeah. I don't think Seth Rogen knows what he's even saying right now. No. I don't think he knows what he's even talking about. Yeah. Like, don't outwoke the woke woke. Wow. Because that's exactly what he's trying to do. And by doing that, you sound like Robert Downey Jr. I'm just playing the man I'm behind the man, man that's being I'm the just, man. I'm just, I'm just dude playing the dude that's behind the dude. <laughs> he actually wasn't in blackface. His character was in blackface. His character was in. <laughs> he's really black. <laughs> Got the tips. I just do play the dude. Trying to be the dude. Trying to be the dude. <laughs> but no, you're, you're, it, it's true though. And when you do that, you end up canceling yourself. Why do you want to cancel yourself? Your whole career is predicated upon being just slightly inappropriate. Yeah. Which is, which is great. And you're appropriately slightly inappropriate. You're appropriate. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're appropriately slightly inappropriate. That's what we want from you. That's why, that's why we go see your movies. Yeah. What I would hate to see is a future Seth Rogen not become that because before a future Seth Rogen gets started, he's already canceled. Yeah. Or she's already canceled. Yeah. No. That's why I like the Saturday Night Live clip you sent me. Oh, it's so good. So I, I don't. I am a huge fan of Saturday Night Live. I've I've been all in for a really long time, and the reason I watch Saturday Night Live and Wesley knows this is because if there are pop culture references that I'm missing, then I'll pick it up on Saturday Night Live, and then I'll know that I need to be reading up on what's happening in the world. That's I, why you never be as cool as me because I pick it up through osmosis. Uh, <laughs> Because I don't have to watch that. I never want. Already, I never want to be the dad that has no. I'm already, I'm already cool enough. I never want to be the dad that has no clue what's going on. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Right. Like I mean. Or like, like or like or like you can't operate a cell phone like that. That person. Yeah. Yeah. Hey man, come over here. And, it, how do I add your contact? It, it, Dude, anytime any somebody tries, it, real quick, as an aside, anybody, anytime somebody's like, let me take your number down, and then I see the phone in one hand and I see the index finger in the other, I'm automatically like, give me your phone, man. It's going to take a while. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I got this. Let me do this. Let, it, me, do, it, this let is, me do this. And then they put the and then they put then they put the glasses on. Yeah. The, and 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 then they hold it. This your your favorite, your favorite. The dramatic putting on glasses. I hate that. <laughs> your favorite thing. We I always talk how dramatically. Oh hey, can you take a look at this? It, 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 just, <sighs> dude, just dude, just leave, just leave them on. I'm like God. <laughs> Let me get my spectacles. Gosh, dude. And like, we have LASIK now, too. Like, what are you doing? It's 2021. Put your glasses away. Let's leave them on. You know? It's so dramatic. Yes. I can't read that. You know what I'm doing. <laughs> Come on, man. Come get, on. Like, get LASIK, bro. Come on, man. <laughs> so I, I've, I've been watching Saturday Night Live really to pick up on those things. And probably for the last, I don't know, 15 seasons, I haven't, I haven't missed an episode. Mm-hmm. And the weekend update is one of my favorite parts of it. And once again, these people are provocateurs. Yeah. They're talking about things in an interesting way to get you thinking, to get you to understand what you think about, not to tell you how to think, mm-hmm. but to just open up different concepts, which is what we're trying to do. Like, I'm not trying to tell you how to think. I'm trying to tell you that there's a different perspective and you should listen to our perspective and you should listen to other perspectives too. And the season finale was this past week. And they have two co-hosts on the Weekend Update, which is where they tell jokes about the news. One of them is a black guy, Michael Che, who's extremely funny. Hilarious. One of them is a white guy, Colin Jost, who's extremely funny. Hilarious. And very different backgrounds. And their gift to each other for the end of the season, and they do this from time to time within the seasons uh, for special occasions, is they make each other read jokes that one wrote for the other. But the amazing part, part about it is, is that they don't read them beforehand. No. So it's, so it's live. It's live television, and these guys are reading. So you have this waspy, the waspy of the waspiest white guy. Yeah. Okay, reading a joke for the first time, written by, by a black, black guy, guy sitting right next to him. It, it is. It's 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 awesome. gold. <laughs> it's it's absolute gold. 
And and it's actually one of the things that's really interesting about listening to that or, or watching that clip. I would encourage people. I just think it. I think it's absolutely hilarious. Some of it's off color. Yes, I think it's absolutely. But they, hilarious. but they but they caveat it before they even talk with. Look, this is a joke. I hope this doesn't get me canceled or my family threatened. or my family threatened. This is the world that we live in. That like we can't take a joke. Yeah, we can't take a joke. That's how dangerous this is, Seth Rogen. It, you are a comedian, and we have to preface things on Saturday Night Live, yeah. which is the premier joke show of the last 30, 40 years, and they have to preface it with, please don't cancel me. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea of the messenger actually mattering, what I love about that Michael Che and Colin Joe's conversation is, if Michael Che read the jokes that he wrote, it would be very different. It would be so the, it wouldn't be nearly as funny. It wouldn't be as funny. <laughs> and it just reinforces how we put these these standards on society that if one person says something, it's funny. If another person says something, yeah. it's not funny. Yes. Good point. It's okay. that it's that piece of culture that that's even more interesting. And I have a lot of respect for those guys for doing that. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of respect for them because it's the whole idea of who you are and what you do coming together. They're willing to to. They're willing to add levity to some very complex conversations in our it's culture. What Dave Chappelle was talking about with comedy. Yes, that's why the King's right hand man was what the jester. Yeah. How can we make light of this to help us understand our issues and our problems? What they do, what they do, week in and week out, sitting next to each other, laughing. Literally, the banter and the connection that they have, yes. laughing about the jokes. And, and and Colin makes makes says reads off one of these really racist jokes. Yeah. And then what does Michael Chase say? Man, it's that pretty was racist. Really racist. <laughs> <laughs> and he wrote the joke. Yeah. It's, so it's so good. Funny. It's so good. It's so it's good. It's so funny. It's so good. And maybe it, and I think especially going into look, we've had a hard run. Yeah, it's been a rough. It's been a rough few years. 2020, 2021, it's yeah. been a hard run. It's been a rough few years. And for many reasons, especially particularly for me, dude. It's like, you know, people coming in out of your life, it's just like running for office and and just it's just been a crazy year, particularly recently for me. It's just been a really crazy year. Yeah. You know, growing family strain and COVID and relationships and all this stuff. It's just been a crazy year. But being able to sit here with you and have levity and talk about and be, being able to joke about this year and being able to talk about SNL. How do we as a country get back to this place? Renee, how can we do this? Yeah. How can we do this? How can we laugh? How can we smile? How can we have fun? Yeah. How can we appreciate the sacrifices that people made for us to be able to have fun and laugh, yes. Renda? And-, and that's the leadership piece. Yes. How can we get back there? Because we owe it to those who died. Oh, do, do we? We owe it to those who died for it. How can we get back there? How can we get back to that? How can I get back to, to, to living in a country that Dave Frazier and Emily Perez would be proud of? Yes. Yeah, I think about that all the time. I, I think about good. how can I be a better man yep. because there were others who didn't get the opportunity to be. To continue to be. How? Yep. They aren't here. One line that I use all the time is, is how do we continue to serve because they are no longer here to serve for themselves? We, the, the, top, the topic of today is what you do is who you are. What they did is who, not who they were, is who they are. Yeah. Because they're still with us today. Yeah. That's why we have Memorial Day weekend. Every time you mention their names, every time we think of them, every time we talk about them, they live in perpetuity. Yeah, the sacrifice will live on. They never die. So how can we live our lives and, t- and start talking about a country to continue to honor their lives so that our country doesn't die either? You see, they died so that our country doesn't have to. They died for our legacy. That's what Memorial Day is about. That's what us getting getting to sit here in the studio and to talk every week. That's what this is about. Do you know where this is not happening in? Hmm. 
China. You know what's not happening in? Russia. And we can go on and on and on and on and on about the people that don't have the opportunity to do this because there aren't people that are there that are willing to actually die for what's written on a piece of paper, not for what's written on a piece of paper, for the principles, for the principles that's, that, that are behind that. That are imbued within that piece of paper. Yeah. <clears throat> this place is special. And I always say this. These brave men and women, Dave and Emily and, and, and how many others, countless others, when they pay the ultimate sacrifice, they didn't do it for black people. They didn't do it for white people. They did it for Americans. We took that oath to defend this country against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. There is no clause that specifies race. It says Americans. It's cool for us to differ. It's cool for us to disagree. We're not supposed to. We're not supposed to agree on everything, by the way. If you think, if, if, if you think, if you think we are supposed to agree on everything, you're the problem. And that goes for everybody, by the way. But the most important thing is, is the values that got us here, based and predicated on sacrifice, service, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. E pluribus unum, out of many, one. That's this country. It's the only freaking place in the world where we can literally leave this studio and sitting even in this studio right now. How many races are there? How many different people are helping out with our podcast? How many people from all, all, over, all over the world are watching us? At no point do we say we're talking to black people, we're talking to white people, we're talking to Hispanic people. Because that's an absolute disgrace to David and Emily. And we refuse to do that. And I implore everybody else to take a listen to this. Because we all bleed red. That's it. We're all Americans in this country. So anybody who asks me why should they vote for my brother, that's why. Oh. I, got, <laughs> I got nothing else to say. No, I got nothing else to say. I'm out. You can take us out. I got nothing else to say. Brilliant, beautiful. I got nothing else to say. Thank you, Rendon. And as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And I got to tell people this too: only in America do I get to have a brother like you. Only in America do I get to do I get to have the privilege and honor of doing this once a week. And only in America can we sit here and have a conversation based on the blood that was shed for this great nation's for generations, and will continue to happen for generations to come. Happy Memorial Day to everyone, and remember that smiles are contagious. So make someone's day. God bless. God bless you.